ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all good. Yeah, uh, sorry to listeners. We got cut off a little bit, a little technical difficulty. But so uh, Dre was asking me about uh, uh, Sam Parr, uh, who who was uh, an investor in Safe and how that came about. Um, that conversation popped up because you know we were just reflecting on like the podcast journey and seeing people kind of like grow over time. It's a great thing to see. And he was talking about my first million. Uh, but uh, yeah, Sam, I, I I met Sam through uh, Stonks. Stonks found me on Mercury through Mercury Raise program. By the way, Mercury, great bank. I love them. Uh, maybe they're not supposed to be called a bank. I don't know. It's kind of a little weird how they kind of <laughs> want to be yeah. determined. But uh, um, I'm cool Like with, with the founder. Uh, he's had me speak. And Mercury Raise is a great program. I highly recommend it. They're doing a C thing right now, by the way. But anyways, Stonks found me on Mercury. Um, I did a pitch on, on Stonks. It was two minutes. I got tons of investment interests. I think it was like around four or five million. Um, we ended up taking around, you know, roughly a million. And uh, Sam was one of the investors that uh, and saw our pitch live and and uh, wanted to do a meeting. And so Sam actually runs these syndicates on AngelList. And um, mm. yes, Sam and his uh, partner uh, Joe, um, uh, who's also like a, a well-known uh, uh, serial entrepreneur and. Uh, yeah, I just talked about saving and he's got it. Like they weren't like, they were like some of the most easiest uh, investors to work with. It was like, no bullshit. They've been entrepreneurs, they get it. And so, um, yeah, uh, but they're busy guys. They're they're fucking yeah. busy. I can tell you that um, they're very busy, but uh, shouts, uh, shouts to Sam Parr and Joe. Um, and then also like just my first million, uh, by the way, my girlfriend liked the podcast. So I was like surprised by that because she's not all into tech that much. So um, shouts to them. I got, I, got, I got a question. So like when you get investors like that on, on like your cap table, how often do you, are you speaking to them? Is it like monthly, quarterly, like never? Yeah. yeah. How do you go about building those relationships? Yeah, well, I can tell you right now, like, what, what um, is that Sam, like, without a doubt, is, like, bombarded with an extreme amount of, like, like, emails and stuff. Like, like to talk to yeah. Sam is, is just, even, like, his closest people are like, look, like, this is, like, it's unusual to get, like, to talk to Sam. So, with Sam, I, I would say, you know, on an occasional basis, but Sam, I would say, uh, is, is, is generally aware of what's going on, but he's in so many, his hands are in so many places. Um, but Joe is more uh, responsible as an investor. Um, uh, and Joe's is like a, a strong operator, uh, real, real, just good with business fundamentals. So, I, so I would say, I, I, you know, when, when necessary, you know, I can get in contact with Joe at any, much, any, uh, at any time. Um, sometimes the same thing with, um, uh, uh, with, uh, with, with Sam, but mostly Joe, I would say Joe, Joe's the easier, the easier one to get in contact with. And then when like getting those kind of investors on the cap table, and I'm just asking these questions. So like audience can have context around like how you're thinking sure. about, about it. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. Usually, how do you how do how do you think about like their strategic value add? Because um, obviously, someone yeah. like Sam, he's already he's he's built this large community, um, you know, yeah. has a ton of experience. I'm just kind of curious how you thought about it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think, I think, you know, it's been useful for us to have people like Sam, or for example, uh, uh, Shereen Yates. He's a great founder from uh, uh, Nima. She founded Nima. Uh, Mark Suster. I think. What I always think about is like, how can I like provide them like strong value? Because if I can get them to like, like if I can provide like value that's super clear for them, like the downstream of that is huge. And so I think for me, uh, I think about that a lot. 
you know, um, I, I don't think a lot about like, you know, um, maybe, you know, ask or intros as much as like maybe I did like as an earlier, earlier stage founder. Now I'm like, man, if Sam like loves this product, um, then like, you know, of course he's talking, he's going to talk about it on his podcast or of course he's going to use it in his spaces. And, you know, that those are the spaces that I like that we want to be. So I, I think yeah. whenever we have people who are like that, you know, I'm like, yeah, despite like like outside of like connections, I'm mostly like, man, like I'm trying to think about how to get them to 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 be like, all right, put this into their workflow in some way, and uh, and we do, and uh, it's good to have them there for that for sure. Um, Sam but, should add it. Yeah. He should uh, add it to the Hampton community, bro. Like, if you got a Hampton membership, yeah. you should get a safe yeah. a safe subscription. Yeah. That's an easy plug right there. <laughs> and then not only, not, not only, not not only that, but the, <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. But the Hampton community is a community of CEOs. So not only yeah. is it in the Hampton yeah. space, but then those companies yeah. that are, those CEOs going to roll it out to their company. That's an easy plug. You want to break down Hampton real quick and provide a little context so people have an idea of what that is? Yeah, so Hampton is a uh, community for CEOs and executives that was started by Sampar. I think it's a community. I think they meet monthly. Uh, and it's kind of think about it like a mastermind where you have these executives and founders coming together, kind of sharing ideas, sharing strategies. You have some people that have, I think there's a threshold. So I think you have had to have raised like a million dollars or $3 million or something like that. Um, but I mean, you it have was, CEOs it was raised, that, raised 3 million or your business is doing $20 million annually. Yep. Yep. So you have some founders in there that are doing 20 million. You got some that are doing a hundred million. You got some that probably sold for a billion. So it's a wide range of, 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 uh, of talent and experience in, in that group. And so you can imagine like the value in that and meeting with, you know, people like that on a, on a regular basis. And so that's to be at Hampton. And so I feel like, you know, Hampton, Hampton community should have a safe subscription. You know what I'm saying? Like they're sharing important private information between each other. Facts. What better way to do that than with a, a safe, than with safe the product. I feel like that's, that's, that's an easy win. Low key. Yeah. That, you make a lot of sense <laughs> because I'm even yeah. thinking about like, I remember when, on their website, they, they require every member of Hampton to sign. Like, I, I forgot what they called it, but it's like a secrecy, like, you know, a uh, contract. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So that data needs to be yeah. safe, right? It needs to be, it needs to be so safe. Right? Yeah, absolutely. 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 Your branding is like on. right on, bro. No, it really, yeah. I told him that. I'm like, bro, it's the perfect, it's the, it's the perfect yeah. name, the show, everything yeah. about yeah. it. It's like, it's like perfect, yeah. man. Yeah. No, no, it's just, uh, um, uh, we, we, we spend time, we craft, we, we, we've been crafting, uh, I've, we spent a lot of time. Uh, but I think that's a great idea, Dre. And uh, trust me, it's my back pocket. Uh, again, you know, I think I think a lot about this, like you know, the value that we provide. If we do that right, literally almost everybody that I know that's invested and also friends will use it just off the of simple fact of that. Like, like I'm already starting. We're already starting to see that. So uh, I'm not getting too much into the safe company, even though I would love to talk all podcasts yeah. about it. Uh, <laughs> I trust me, I would. But uh, uh, but yeah, like providing value just to them, but also everybody. And I'm seeing that people are responding to that because everybody, need, look, we all have something that we want to protect and uh, we just make it easy for, for, for anybody to do that. So, um, so speaking, but yeah, I, I want, I want to shift real quick. So speak, cause we're, we're talking about investors. We're talking about community network, Yeah, the biggest community, the biggest network investor network in our world, at least Y Combinator, 
they they had some interesting uh some interesting stuff happening this week. So first off, they had a demo day. I think mm-hmm. it was their I don't know what I, I don't know what uh what season they're on right now. Honestly, they they have so many cohorts, but so many, it was their yeah. latest cohorts demo day this past week. I believe it was Tuesday, Monday and Tuesday. It's a multi-day demo day. And then I know applications for their winter cohort are due tomorrow, 8 p.m. Pacific time. And for those who don't know, why Combinator Honestly, I would define it as an institution. I, I use that word institution because to me, that's really what it has solidified itself as over the past, I don't know, decade plus that has been around. So Y Combinator is a is a startup accelerator that invests, I think, up at this point, up to $500,000 into companies. It takes an equity position. But beyond that, it gives you access to an incredible network of other founders that are at the same level and at the same experience you are. But beyond that, right, you have founders like Airbnb, the Dropbox founders, um, Stripe. I mean, the list literally goes on in terms of the, the companies that have gone through Y Combinator. And so they, at this point, they are a very important institution to the to the tech ecosystem in general, not even just startup, but literally public companies like DoorDash and, and Airbnb uh, and Dropbox. Right. And so, yeah. So l- let's talk a little bit about about Y Combinator, because I, I think they're they're quite interesting and we all have our own ind- individual history um, and, and experience there. So, yeah. Did y'all get a chance to take a look at any of the companies that kind of came out of the last this latest demo batch? No, nah, I so so I haven't looked at this uh like the companies that came out of it, but I can provide some color around like just some of the stats because I think it will help just kind of frame for anyone interested in YC like what you're up against because we all know, you know, here on the podcast uh that you know a lot of people like to say it's the Harvard or the Stanford of, you know, uh uh Silicon Valley, but the numbers speak for itself and then we can kind of get into some of those companies. But just last uh with this last batch they had over 20,000 people apply. And like, this was the largest ever, uh, right? And of those 20,000, only 1% got accepted, which is, you know, roughly around like 300, 400 companies. And what is what, what, what is intriguing about this was, um, I also saw a stat like about 600, about 600 companies got interviews. And so- they they have a pretty rigorous process, and what it what, what I found out just kind of talking to some of our you know friends. Shout out Victor, shout out Davis, shout out Lucini. Um, you know Absolutely. that kind of went to, through that process. They said it's one of the most brutal processes that you know you could go through. It's ten minutes. You know you get you get four to five questions, and it's no bullshit. They'll hang up on you if yeah. they hear any fluff. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But- wait 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 wait. They literally hang up on you? Like really? Bro, so Rodney called me and was like, hey, bro, y'all were talking. Y'all asked so many questions on our last founder call. And on that founder call specifically, they gave experiences of hearing from other people who went through YC where either, you know, the, the, the partners felt like they were wasting time because they were just providing these fluffy answers or they got a sense that the person in the team was not confident. And so it was just, they just perceived it as a waste of time. And I, I, I think you really have to respect that in the context of in the span of what, three to four weeks, they got to go through 20,000 companies. I'm surprised yeah. they still, they still interview every single company like that. Well, they're not every single company. Yeah. They kind of weeded down based on that. Weeded down. Yeah. But they're still talking a hundred. I imagine they're hundreds. Hundreds. Hundreds that they're, that they're, yeah. Yeah. That they're, that they're like actually yeah. face-to-face meeting, meeting with. Yeah. So I guess yeah. let's, let's double click there. So what, what was it? 
was it the, I guess in terms of what made it brutal, was it like the types of questions? Like what types of questions are we talking about? Just so we can get folks who have no idea, like even the types of, like the information that is relevant to, to get into YC. What, what, what types of questions are we talking about that yeah. the founders were kind of faced with? And I'm sure it varies based on company and, and the specifics of the information that you put on the application. But just generally speaking, what are, what are some of those questions? Yeah, so I actually um, I I attended this past week because you know the comp- new company that I founded, Cowork, we're actually applying to YC, um, and one of the partners he hosted a feedback session on just application, et cetera, this week, um, and there's a notion doc going around. Uh, that some of the partners in past YC, you know, applicants have started to ask some of those questions. Uh, primarily, those questions center around company, users, competition, acquisition, and uh, foreseeable, like your future. Um, so when it comes to the company, uh, they want a very specific answer when, when it comes to like, what does each founder do on the team? Right. And then another question that, you know, he pointed out is how do or will you make money? They quickly want you uh, not to really focus on, you know, just trying to build out this enormous wait list, which I, I feel like you see you see a lot of a lot of that in the early days. But they're like, what is something, you know, someone is actually going to exchange value uh, with you on? And then in terms of users, uh, they get very specific uh, around like who needs what you're asking for? How do you know they need it? Um, and so those were questions there in terms of competition. Um, they had, like one question they hone in around is why isn't someone uh, already uh, doing this in terms of acquisition? Uh, they really want to know how many uh, users are currently you know, using your product. If it, if it is live, how many more do you expect in you know, three months? And then obviously in the future, uh, they, one of the questions he said they hone in on is what if this doesn't work? And so they want to know how you're going to be able to pivot, like in, in, in your thought process there. And so those are the kind of questions you can expect to, you know, get uh, during the interview. Those are all really yeah. great questions. Yeah. So let me let me add something real quick to, to this conversation. I think it's important, um, at least the vibe that I get from YC. I think there's multiple dynamics that are happening when people go to these interviews. I have not gone to a YC interview. I may have applied to YC over maybe maybe like three times maybe or potentially but different companies some of them the same uh but uh from what i hear and when i see i think what it, and also from talking to some of the uh partners at yc i i know uh dre and i have you know have luckily been able to talk to like the ceo of yc at, at certain given points uh and um yeah there really are no bullshit and i think like that off off jump is the is like an intimidating factor for most people, and and one of the things I also commonly see about YC is that they talk so much about clearly communicating what your company does, or and or commit uh, clearly communicating the value proposition. And I think that um, what they often speak to is that a lot of founders cannot do that, and simply being able to communicate your idea is setting you apart from a large portion of founders and that's what i find actually interesting is that um is that that alone that like literally even that sentiment alone is actually very interesting when you think about it because something that you spend a lot of time on they're saying okay you spend this much time on it you should be able to tell us exactly what it is and why 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 is brevity important like how would you answer Um, yeah i'm just kind of curious brevity is important because it's not easy to simplify 
it's not easy to simplify. Um, it's not easy to simplify stuff. Um, you know, uh, taking large things and, and compressing them down is, is the hard part. That's why, you know, for example, like, you know, it doesn't take any effort to make a 30 page deck. Uh, you, you just, you just spilled out a bunch of information on, on a bunch of slides, you know, uh, what's more important, for example, like when you're telling the story, you don't tell everybody every single detail of everything that happened. You tell them the most important parts and knowing what's the most important parts to talk about is important and then also being able to step in the shoes of them like one time i had a conversation you know um uh with michael siebel over the phone michael siebel he's a harsh guy i'll be honest with you but he has good intent i i, I believe he has good intent um look he he'll, he'll say it honestly look give me baby food i don't have time to understand what the fuck you're building i'm not saying he's saying it like that but the point is is that he doesn't have time to figure out what the hell you're building he just needs to know the baby food, what does it do, why is it valuable, et cetera. And the quicker you can get to that, the quicker they can think about it. These guys, to Dre's and Brian's point, they have so, like, they're already on limited time, and they are, like, they really are running, like, this, like, efficient machine. So they're mm-hmm. really just, like, just give them lean. It's almost like, if you think about it like this, an example or an analogy I would, uh, uh, alluded to is, like, think about it like um, somebody who's doing a bodybuilding uh, competition, right? You know, um, for most people, the bodybuilder like competition look is not necessarily like the attractive thing, right? But you know, there's like a regular look that is, and you know, what I'm saying that's what a little like you know, you don't have zero, like you don't mm-hmm. have two percent body fat, like it's a regular look. Most people are cool with that. For founders, we get off with, but we we can get that off with most people. We can get off the five percent, ten percent body fat, uh, uh, you know, uh, thing with most people we run into because they don't have that 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 startup mind now. Well, YC, no, they're the bodybuilder competition judges where they like, oh, no, no, no fat, <laughs> no fat, lean. Like, yeah. do you know, like, the, like, do you know the pose? Do you know, like, does it look like, how's it look when you do like this? Like, yeah. like, so you can't get past them like that. And that's, and that's like, that's intimidating. And so you add all those dynamics and how they think, you know, I think it's easy to stumble. 10 minutes becomes like a hundred minutes <laughs> because it's like, so- it's like, yeah. you, you, Bro, I, I, I love it. I, talk about it a lot. I do yeah, want to break I, down that intimidation, though. Go ahead, Dre. I was going to yeah. say, I just, I, I, I like it because honestly, I think it just gets to the root of like the shit that really matters in, the, in, in those meetings. You know what I'm saying? And, and ultimately, I think beyond that, they're actually helping founders more than anything, right? Like yes, the, yes. the founders that get intimidated to me are actually the founders they probably don't want anyway, right? Because like yeah. those are the founders that are just not confident in their business enough to really like just yeah. stand to those questions, even if they don't have the answer, right? And you don't mm-hmm. need to have the answer to everything. That's the real That's the yeah. real thing is like you don't need yes. to have the answer. But the ones that are stumbling around trying to find an answer, that's the founders they want to weed out because like, you know, you're just making up shit where you can just simply yes. say, I don't know the answer to that. So I, yeah. I actually think they're helping founders in many ways because a lot of founders I know who've been through the process have said that it has helped them just crystallize their business in a way that they didn't necessarily have before, right? And so whether they even made it through the process or not, but just going, just filling out the application alone helped them like structure their thoughts and help them think yes. about their business in a yes. much deeper way that maybe they weren't really thinking about before. Um, yes. So yeah, I think although like the response is definitely like intimidation from some founders, I think, I mean, honestly, I think it's the best thing that can happen to a founder is like it somebody is. who's better than you. Uh, not better than you, but like somebody that has like Without experience, uh, acknowledge can give you like that, that inside feed, that inside feedback. And mm-hmm. yeah, if you don't live in the Valley, especially if you don't live in the Valley and you don't, you don't live in San Francisco, you've never experienced how it is in San Francisco. 
it's oh, yeah. such a competitive yeah. environment. <laughs> like if if yeah, if they're giving you that information, they're literally putting you on game. Like they're helping yeah. you in such a way that you don't even see it. Like it's it's just it's hard to explain unless you like go to the valley and like actually experience that culture. But and something something I look, Bradley, real quick. Let me add this real quick. I know you want to. I know you want to say that something about like intimidation. As a founder, it's good when you feel intimidated. Like it's actually a good thing when somebody's like intimidating. Let me explain. Yeah. Because because look, I can tell you right now, like about ninety eight percent of people, if I just sat and did a pitch with Safe or just tell them about my business, what I'm doing, look, I'm sound almost false, right? It's those conversations though with other security professionals. Those is those conversations with other investors that are deeper in the game. It's those ones where I gotta like really like zone in what I'm saying, and that alone is beneficial to me. You know what I'm saying? That alone yeah. is beneficial. Like what Dre is saying, like that application alone, just having to think in that way is a a homework assignment for your business. And so go ahead, Brian. I just wanted to say you like founders typically we are tend to be a little bit, not all of us, but a lot of us tend to be different already in our thought. We can get shit off. We're different in that way. We can get off a lot of stuff. We're smart, clever, all these things. But look, there's other people like us too. And like, we need to meet those people more often. And YC is like a group of those people in one place. Nah, so so, so I agree with you, but I, but I, I do want to, you know, reframe it just a little bit. Um, just because I don't, I personally don't think people should be intimidated. I think you should be sure. confident and you should, but you should also be humble and self-aware to know what you don't know, even when you are in front of people that like obviously may know a little bit more than you. But I think like yeah. one of the things that like I had to humble my team around was, you know, I think when, especially for people that have not been on this journey, when you hear a YC, same way when people are like applying to Stanford, it's, it's the shiny apple. Right. And, pe and, pe and yeah. people usually make the shiny apple the goal rather than the goal being to build a successful business. Now, the reason why I say this is when I was doing my research, um, specifically, I, I, like the question I was curious about is, OK, do companies that go through YC, do they tend to fare and become more successful than companies that don't? And the metric I was specifically looking for was companies that went on to raise serious A's. Only 30 percent of companies that go through YC it, uh, go on to raise a, a serious A. And this is what Michael Siebel said back in 2020, right? Yeah. Now, if you go look at the recent Crunchbase data, 30% of companies that don't go through YC go on to raise the serious A. And so there really isn't, like, the reason why this is important is because, like, it just, it, it, it I think it removes this myth of just because you go YC, you're, you're going to build a successful business. And I think it empowers yeah, you more thing, yeah. to be like, to, to, to be more in a position of it is, it is what you make it like YC isn't oh, going yeah. to hold your hand, you know? Right, and, right, and I think yeah, that's very important yeah. because a lot of people apply to these yeah. accelerators with the thought of they're going to show us where to go. And like, no, these yeah. niggas are going to challenge you. And there, there's a little bit of structure, but you still yeah. going to have to work your ass off. Right. They're giving you the opportunity. And I, they're not doing the work for you. They're giving you the opportunity. Yes. They're not doing the work yeah. for you. You still got to do the work. You still got to you, 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 you still, you still gotta do the work. And that was something like, as I was reading and talking to people that had went through YC, that was like, I started to pick up on that thing, on that, between the, the, the companies that went on to like raise those serious A's and those subsequent growth rounds versus like companies that they just got the check from YC and they ended up dying a few years so, later. So let me actually, let me ask y'all this because we're, we're asking the question because Bradley, you put out, you got to build a successful business. So 
to to you all from your perspective, like what are the elements that you think about when you think about a successful business? Because we, we, we've all talked about this and I think even on the last episode, like, you know, we talked about, Hey, focus on one thing. Like, and I think, you know, founders get all those things, but like when, when you just think about in your mind, like the framework, or maybe you don't have a framework or just how you think about a successful business, what does that, what does that mean? What are the components of that? Yeah. So, so, okay. Go ahead. Um, okay. When I think of that, I, I, I want to clarify, um, SaaS business, uh, consumer business, like, you know, uh, like, like, um, or is it like a, like a retail business? Like, are we talking like, like, uh, the Pacific, like, because there, there are some fundamentals across businesses, but I would approach the, the question slightly differently depending on what it is. But I think maybe, for example, if I just say SaaS business, what's important for a SaaS business, uh, so that's easy for me to do right now. Cause that's what I'm more focused on. I would say for a SaaS business, you know, um, the important thing is that one, they're actually, you you're you're making something and putting it out and testing it with people and it's something um where it's close enough to where you could see some people that it, it can attract some people it may not be there yet as far as functionality but you're working on iterating it so i think the the business part of it is, is mostly like like a almost like an like a i almost got like a company as like a computer or like an engine or something like that like build like the the a good business is you know um the whole product iteration you know part of the part of it but also the part of it like if we're talking about venture backed as well um is 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 a in the in the in the eyes of i guess from from a SaaS business i would say it's good when you have a product that enough people want to give you uh enough realistic justification that if you can scale this software, um, it will cover the cost of development and potentially create profit. So like, just like fundamentally that, um, in the early days, that's not easy that I mean, in the early days, that's very, uh, ambiguous though, in the early days. So I would say a, a good business is primarily the machine that you make the, the machine of, uh, being able to create something, put it out. You know, and it doesn't it, put it out. It can be any form that you believe that is, but just getting it outside of your team, um, uh, iterating on that uh, with the end goal being creating something that, you know, um, generates enough revenue to keep the business going and some more to invest in later growth in the company uh, and or generates enough traction or revenue to fund that later end goal of ultimately getting to profitability. So I think like, but maybe that could be a little bit vague though. No, I'm going to keep it a stack with you. To me, it's a very simple math question. In the parentheses, you got revenue minus expenses and then to the power of X. X being however, like if you want to say on a quarterly basis or a year, yearly basis, but X uh, X is durability, right? Mm -hmm. And and I feel like when you start to, when you have this simple math equation and you're, you, 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 you start thinking about product, product dictates revenue. Right. When you start thinking about marketing sales or whatever that di that dictates, you know, expenses, cost of goods sold. Right. And then obviously you want that to be a positive number because ultimately that's going to help with the durability of the company. And I think it's as simple as that. And I think too often we, 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 we take a bottom up approach to trying to approach companies. And I see a lot of people ignore trying to build something where there's a willingness to pay for that. Because at the end of the yeah. day, we're not we're, yeah, like yeah, everybody, every, yeah. everybody always thinks about creating value, but not capturing value. You cannot yeah. build a, you don't have a business. You have an idea yeah. if you're not capturing value. 
that's that's how it works. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm not gonna lie to you, and this might sound crazy for some of the listeners that's listening. I struggle to understand uh, building things that people would not pay for. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you, and 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 I only say that, and it's, it's particularly maybe just because I just had some early experiences as a younger like engineer or coder, whatever you want to call it of like, I guess like the first thing I ever made, people paid a lot for. So like, I, I, it's like, I, I don't know. I like, I've always looked at software through that lens. And by the way, I I was selling things before I made software. You know what I mean? is like, I used to get my, my, my friends and family, I'm sorry, my friends together. So uh, lawnmowing services, shoveling, snow, all this type of like, you know, the kid stuff, you know, I, and so I was that business mind person. And I guess when I got to code, you know, I, like I just applied like what I knew people thought was valuable and built that. Like, I guess like these days when I see people build stuff and it's just like, it's there and you can kind of see where they're going with it, but just like, like they never can figure out how to get anybody to pay for me because I don't, I, I guess for me, I've always started off with something that's valuable to me. And so like, if it's like invaluable enough to, for me to get off my lazy ass and build it and if it's valuable enough for me to get my ass up and build it then somebody's gonna pay for this like 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 because that and i think that may be a thing too like i'm a lazy person in 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 a sense because i try to do things more efficiently you know and maybe i'm more maybe you might call it an efficient person whatever you want to call it but i call it lazy in this example and i know that people like me want to pay for convenience and so if i'm building something it's usually because it's i'm making something easier and when i'm making something easier people generally want to pay for that um, now I guess there's other scenarios, like, of course, but I guess that's just me thinking out loud. Like I do struggle. I, it's like, I see the problem you're talking about, Brian, where people build stuff people won't pay for. And I guess, for example, in like, for, for example, in the context of like a social app, yeah, I can understand that. I actually never understood fully like the ad business. And anytime somebody ever suggested like doing ads on an app that I ever made, I always like just hated the idea. I never, that's just mm. not the business I like to think of. So maybe in those type of areas, like I can't speak to all that. I more so always think of myself as somebody who's building a tool that somebody would use. And every time I build a tool, um, it's more about where do I put it so that the right people see it. And then when I put it in the right place, people use it. And then naturally, like if they're using it, you just study the behavior and then kind of put limits and caps on it, et cetera. And then, then, then people pay for it. I mean, it's pretty straightforward like from that standpoint. But again, I think it takes some experience to maybe like come to that. Because I do see what Brian's saying. I see that all the time when people are, are building things that people don't want. And YC says this all the time, like, just make something people want. And I'm like, yeah. Like, 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 yeah. Make something people want. Like, like that, that's what I kind of get a little, you know. And by the way, YC is not for everybody. YC is not for everybody. Let's just make this clear. YC is not for everybody. I don't yeah, even know no, if it's not. be for me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some, some, something I want to say on the pricing standpoint real quick is um, – yeah. There's, there's, there's a, uh, uh, the invest, invest like the best podcast. There was a recent pricing, uh, uh, podcast that was just put out really fucking good. I can't pronounce the guy's name, but he, he did a lot of the early pricing for like Porsche, um, uh, LinkedIn, Uber, etc. And he told this story of like, you know, the early days of Porsche and it was just something he had learned from Steve Jobs. And I think it's very important because usually when we think of Steve Jobs, we think of making beautiful, simple products, things that delight people. But he was like um, one of his mentors who, who worked with Steve Jobs was like Steve Jobs was very 
was was very cognizant and keen to testing for willingness to pay before a product even went into, you know, the manufacturing process. And he said the reason why he did that was, you know, um, one of the things they, they identified early on with like the early Mac computers that came out was, um, you know, your customer changes where you based off of where you price the product. So, you know, a product may be priced at a thousand dollars and that's not suitable for some people. But if you offer, you know, a model with a little bit less storage and a little bit, uh, a little bit less, you know, retina display or whatever, like now you got a customer that, that wants that product. Right. And so he, Steve Jobs went on to apply that same thinking to the iPad, the iPhone. And then the guy went on to tell the story of like Porsche, like the reason why Porsche, you know, is offering these different tiers. A lot of these car companies offer these different tiers is because it's not that the customer is technically from a demographic standpoint that much different, but when you add price, that decision changes. And I think that is so important, especially for early stage founders, like to really understand the willingness to pay. You could save yourself so much like trouble down, 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 down the, uh, like the long road. When you know, if you're even on like the path towards like monetization, you know what I would say, mm -hmm. you know what I would say, one of the, uh, like, uh, like, uh, not solutions or whatever, 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 one of the things, the ways to think about it to help people like, like, I, I would think like, I would say sometimes you are a first time founder and that's okay. And that's fine. But I would say if you have not started a business yet and you're not a startup founder yet, that's something that you might want to do. I would say try to make some money off a side of a side project or two, like before you even consider a startup. Because I think when you get that, then like the founders that I know that have made money before they actually did like these type of startups that we're working on, like they're they're better founders. They're just better founders. I think I just think that you know, if if for example you figured out some type of way to make money online, like I think I, I forgot who it was. All this this guy on Twitter, and he he talks about the importance of the psychology flip of when somebody makes their first dollar online, and I think that like that is very important. And the sooner that you can get to that, especially in the category of like for example software or tech, the easier your mind, it's like, it's like breaking something you're, or like, it's like some type of epiphany. I don't even know how to explain it because it happened so long ago for me, for Dre probably happened a long, long time ago for Brian. I don't know when. So it's like, but that does change the stuff. And so if you're building a startup and you never really had, had a side project where you made money before at least one, I would find it very difficult for you to understand maybe like what people want. Cause what people want, people will pay for at a certain and, it's and also, it takes experiments, by the way. Nobody's saying, hey, I 100%. come in with the right perfect. Yeah, no, I'm not saying I come in. So, so, I so, let's, break, so, let's, so let's, break, let's break that down then. I think we're talking too high sure. level here. Let's break okay, that down. Yeah, how yeah. do you go about, yeah, how yeah. Do you go about exper experimenting with, with some of that mm -hmm. pricing is? Because I would argue like okay. pricing, yeah, sure. is, yeah. pricing is never done. You know what I'm saying? Like Facts. there's yeah. a whole – like pricing is always yeah. a thing. In fact, when I was interning yeah. back when I was in college, I interned at uh, Blue Cross and Blue Shield, so one of the largest mm -hmm. insurers – health insurance companies mm -hmm. in the in the country definitely the yeah. largest in michigan and yeah. uh, i interned in an apartment called the actuary department and this was a team that yeah. focused on pricing insurance like to determine like the the risk and the value of like an insurance policy based on like somebody's health and based on a bunch of other inputs right so there are literally people dedicated to pricing pricing was never done and so my point yes. my point in saying that is like 
just as insurance company have dedicated people to pricing, I think in any business, you're always going to be working on your pricing. Yes, you're absolutely. always going to be absolutely. tweaking it. You're always going to be iterating. Absolutely. You're always going to be trying yes. to figure out how can you extrapolate the most yes. value out of a, out of a customer who you deem yes. is, is being valuable. Right. So yes. I guess, how do y'all think about approaching pricing and like, okay. yeah, what are some okay. of y'all frameworks to like okay. experiment with willingness yeah. to pay? Yeah. Understood. Understood. So Dre makes an amazing point. So here's here's one thing that I think we should first start off with. Make your first sale. Make your first sale. Get that. Do that. Okay. Have a basis for like something. Like like um, I think in my mind when I was previously talking, I was thinking something extreme example of where people really just can't get nobody to pay for whatever they built. Like and I'm talking about, they can't even get a sale. Like like and those are like to me that's like I don't know. That's way off. Now. What Dre is referring to is like, okay, you might have you have some sales, you might have even a business, but you're always still changing the pricing up depending on the business goals or the objectives of where the business is at or the market, et cetera. And that's a uh, uh, that that is different because in that case, that is more so just about ex- experimentation. And so I, what I think uh, about what Dre's saying is, I would say, um, uh, and Dre is probably the best person to speak about this because he's a product manager. He's a product manager. He's a professional. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. This wasn't my professional job. I was an engineer. I chose a different route. But look, I, I would say, based on what I would say, is that with pricing, for me, I haven't uh, built. Uh, for me, uh, okay, this is what I'll say. It's just probably good to track your pricing and the reasons why you did each one and experimenting with the different kinds. And so, for example, just last night, I was looking up. Uh, I was in my notes and I saw some uh, old safe plans that we, we used to have. We used to be just a mobile app, right? And, uh, you know, at one point we were making like $2,000, $2,000 a month, or, you know, on, uh, on the app store, right? Now, we didn't. We got to that number by a bunch of random different exp- like, I, And I say random loosely because it wasn't entirely random, but a bunch of different experiments. And essentially what we did was, okay, first I said, okay, who's doing a business similar to us? And let me just kind of like, one-to-one their paywall, okay? I did that. Then I got some sales. I'm like, okay, cool. What else can I try? Then I was like, I started thinking about psychology. And then somebody, I read somewhere that, you know, uh, it's best to present somebody with a sale up front, even if they decline it, but it's like preventing, like presenting a price up front, even if they decline it, is good for a later sale or something like that, right? And I was like, okay, that's interesting. Let me try that. So when I would say first, so in the mobile app, we had the paywall pop up the first time you open the app. You can dismiss it, whatever. Um, but then when you use the app, it'll later come up. And then we found that when we did that, more people signed up for subscription. We were like, okay, cool. That little tidbit worked. Um, so let's try something else. And then, you know, it was like, okay, you know, certain plans, right? So we have three different plans, right? Ultimately, the goal is for us to make the most money as we can and have you be cool with it for as long as possible, right? Like, and so, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> you're right. You don't like churn, right? That's, that's, all, that's no way to say churn, right? So, so then we said, okay, well, people are only, you know, uh, like there's weekly plans. Like, so Apple gives us weekly plans, monthly plans, and yearly plans, and stuff like that, a combination of whatever. And so we went with like, at first monthly to three months to yearly. And I was like, that's cool. But then I was like, then I saw somebody doing like weekly plans and they were charging like almost like, it was almost like it was more expensive the shorter the subscription was, which generally is how it is. Like if you buy a monthly plan, it is usually more expensive than a yearly plan. But in this case, Apple was allowing people to charge weekly. So the monthly plan was more expensive than the weekly plan. And I was like, okay. So I looked into that 
and we were making more money. But here's the thing, though. The churn was higher because we would make more money on a month, but people would be like, oh, no, I'm getting charged too much. Hold on. Let me get off this right quick. You feel me? So so then we were like, okay, should we not do weekly plan? Like, so this basically, what I'm referring to is an iterative process of changing, like seeing something, then being like, okay, maybe this is why they're doing that. Changing it, watching it. It's basically experimenting. So basically with Dre, and I think also too, uh, I'm sure we would all agree, Dre, I'm sure you agree, especially Blue uh, with Blue Cross. Now with the tools we have now with AI now, I'm sure pricing is is it's easier to create those experiments now. You know what I'm saying? Especially if you have a good amount of sales already coming in. For example, like Blue Cross, you know, um, uh, I would argue that shit right now, we should be scared of insurance companies. I don't know if they'll ever lose money if they plug yeah. in AI the right way. You know, so you know um, what's crazy at that yeah. at that time, bro. I couldn't even believe. Just as a side note, I, I couldn't even believe at that time they were building pricing models in Excel. Like, like literally, like they were building pricing models in Excel, like, and like, like calculators using like Access. So Access is like the the Microsoft database, right? The local database. They literally were like building app full blown like company applications. Like you would have to share a folder with somebody when they onboard as an employee, so they can get access to like this calculator. It, mm. it it was it was crazy. It was it was crazy, man. So like entire businesses are ran on Excel, man. It's it's unbelievable. You they they probably you know someone from from there is probably listening. It's like damn, why are you exposing us like that? Anyway. <laughs> it's gonna take a look. I, I wonder. I, <laughs> Go ahead. I asked him. I was like, why don't y'all upgrade to like AWS? Like, have y'all thought about? <laughs> <laughs> you asked him that. <laughs> yeah, bro. Back in the day, I'm like, what about like I got asked about that. I'm like, y'all can like build all this in the cloud. Like, oh, man. What did no, they say? No did they say nothing? Security, listen. security uh, was a concern. They always say that. They always On say premise, that. It, it was it was a bunch. Yo. It was a it was a it was a bunch of BS. It was a bunch of BS. But I mean, look, to, going back to what we talked about with pricing, just to like close up this conversation real quick. I think Ryan, you touched on a, 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 the the most important thing, which is really about experimentation. I think the thing that I most think about when I think about pricing is value, like. How much value are you actually generating? I, I think that's a very fundamental question you should ask yourself. And I don't think enough people ask themselves that about their product. Like, And I think that is a, a bit of a loaded question. So I think you got to ask yourself that question and be intellectually honest with yourself, right? And, and some products are very easy to like measure the value. Like in the case of my product, it's very easy, right? Like we capture yeah. some revenue I love your for product. business. I'm not going to lie. It's very I simple. I love Dre's product. I love Dre's yeah, product. It's very, it's very I, hate, I love it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it because it's like for yours. I'll sell my girl. I was like, it's obvious what the value is. It's yeah. like, how could you turn it down? It's, like, it's, it's very yeah. straightforward. And, and some products are not that simple, but yet there's still a way to like build a framework around value. Yeah. So I think it's very important to understand how much value are you are you are you creating because then when you understand that, then you can start to realize the threshold of, of value that you can capture from that. Right. And then, mm -hmm. and then that's the, and then that's really the, the scale that you're trying to test now is like, we're giving X and then Y and then, and then that changes. And then there's just a question like, okay, well, if this particular customer, we're only generating this much value for them. What does it look like if we go to a customer that's twice as big? What does it look like if we go to a customer that's five times as big? Then does the value multiply that same? Like, are you generating five times the value now, 10 times the value now? Those are fundamentally different questions that you start asking yourself to figure out, like, what, what customer should I even try to go after, right? And how do I price something differently for one customer? And one customer that is, you know, that you're 10x in the value from, I would argue, should pay some multiple of a customer that's right behind them, right? So, again, it's really yeah. asking those questions uh, in your mind. And, it, of course, you can use AI to solve this as a tool.
but just as generally as like a as a founder when i think about pricing you really should think about it in terms of a, a spectrum of value like how much value are you creating so i want to i, I want to unpack that a little bit um just because you literally took 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 it right out of my head and i think too often people get caught up uh when it comes to pricing first thinking about the number when the number doesn't even matter and I think, right. you know, as Dre pointed out, like the first two things you obviously have to answer are, 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 are like, what is the value metric and like who, who is the customer? But a few frameworks and like mental models that have helped me is um, one was like the price and thermometer, right? Which is essentially, essentially you can Im imagine a thermometer at the bottom of it. You, uh, you have your costs. In the middle, you have your your price, and then at the top, you you uh, you you have like the value, right? And obviously, the incentive to sell is the difference between your cost and your price, and the incentive to buy is the difference between your price and and the, and the value. And I think this is very important because most people don't even know there's a difference between you know they call it like a you know. Uh, 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 what, what is it? Uh, cost-based pricing where people, you know, price based off their costs or there's value-based pricing where you price based off of your value. That's one of the yeah. very important, uh, pieces yeah. for why you want to experiment. But one of the frameworks I've been using to like, you know, understand price, uh, is, uh, three simple questions. So the first question is, um, literally you can send this into a survey, out to, you know, potential customers, even before you even have a product out there, even if it's just like a Figma. But the three questions are, one, what do you think is a, uh, an acceptable price for, 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 for this product? And the reason why this is important is because usually this is the price people are comfortable, um, you know, paying for something uh, uh, like so for something like your product. The second question is, what is an expensive price for this product? And usually this is like, almost uh, the price that is aligned with the actual value of your product. And then the last question is, what is a prohibitively expensive price for, for, for this product? And usually this is, you know, it, it, it gives you a sense of like, okay, if you were to price your product at this, people will essentially would just laugh you out of the room. And so usually it's that second question where you should actually be pricing, pricing your product. And so that's something like, you know, uh, a framework I've actually been applying to some of the projects that I'm working on. Yeah, I definitely lean more towards value-based pricing. I guess more, I guess it's more so because I'm biased towards software companies. And I, I, t I tend to see like software leans more towards value-based because, I mean, the cost of software is is honestly zero, right? If if you're, yeah. I mean, it depends on what you're building, right? But yeah. once you build once, you kind of like the point at least, right, in SaaS is that you're scaling yeah. it at a zero yeah, cost. Yeah. Right. To other, again, that, that's the that's the general model that you're trying to build with them. So I tend to lean towards value. But I do agree, like, and, and not even just the time we're in, because I, I hate thinking like that, because I think fundamentally founders, business entrepreneurs should think about this in general. Definitely understanding, like, your costs and, like, your operating expenses is incredibly critical into pricing into pricing your into pricing your product and to figuring out, like, the type of customer you should go after. Again, like... You know, you might you be thinking you want to go after small, medium businesses until you find out they can only pay ten dollars a month versus the enterprise yeah. company that's willing to pay. Let me let me let me let me let me give you a tangible yeah. example because this literally just happened this week, bro. So y'all know I've been working on the AI product for for teachers, right? Originally, you know, we we're you know we were uh, we had a B a B two C model going directly to teachers, um, and that was good because we got a few teachers to pay us, but you know in terms of a price range, that was about like maybe less than $10 kind of a month. 
one of one of the homies hits me up and you know he works in a nonprofit education space right and we start having a conversation or whatever comes to find out you know like he goes and talks to the the the, the CEO of the nonprofit etc this nonprofit is doing 50 million dollars in revenue a, a, a year type thing um okay. and yeah. like the, Wait, i guess the kind of, ceo had already it's called it's called empowered it's for it's for uh it's an education nonprofit they're funded by coke industries so okay. uh okay yeah, I, know, yeah. I know those guys yeah 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 yeah, yeah. They're, they're funded by them guys um okay. but long story short we have the conversation with their exec team you know first thing i'm i'm, I'm asking okay so you know i want to get a sense of like you know what what, what, what how, how would you value this what would be your willingness to pay they they literally came out and said we we would be open to you know potentially you know we expect something we're in, in the six figure range, and I'm like, bro, yeah, you know you, like, yeah, yeah, I, I ain't saying nothing, but in my head I'm like, it I'm don't like, cost that. that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, 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 wait, oh, for sure. Wait, so wait, so wait, all wait, that wait. to say, my customer is changing. Yeah, yeah, I would absolutely, one hundred percent, absolutely. Look. Yeah, yeah, you're not gonna go sell those ten dollar plans. No, no, yeah. <laughs> no yeah. because this this yeah. is the thing. Yeah. Teacher, yeah. teacher, a lot of teachers were coming back and just telling us like, you know, why don't you make this free or whatever? So now to make it free, we're gonna go have you know somebody pay for it so they can give it to you for free. But that's yeah. why pricing is very important and it's not something that is static. It's a very dynamic conversation and you need to be always yeah. gathering data and learning more about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah so like are you example. real quick? Are you are you gonna sign are you gonna sign that contract? What, what you gonna do with that? You sign no, bro, contract. so 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 right now that so right I mean I, I, I'm not saying the contract is real until like yeah. it's actually in paper, yeah. but like sure. if the contract if the contract was to go through, it would be for next school year just because this school year is almost over. But yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was I was hey. it's gonna be an interesting it's gonna be an interesting next few months. I'll keep y'all in the loop yeah. on that. So so yeah, let's look. We have some other stuff that uh, could we go all day on about pricing, man. Like it's revenue at the end of the day, we, and that's our life. That that keeps our life afloat, you know. And keeps bills paid, keeps babies fed. You know, what I'm saying keep our girlfriends and wives happy. Uh, but uh, but look, uh, uh, so speaking of like just like I guess uh, revenue or you know there was or just speaking of yeah just money and uh, let's talk about. A little bit about fraud let's talk about this story that uh we may have briefly touched on in the past but uh there was a startup founder um uh who was in the fintech space her name is uh charlie javis and she was recently arrested uh because she faked four million uh you know, uh, customer accounts, uh, and her sale to, uh, JP Morgan chase, a very corporate business. Um, and, um, and, um, I, I forgot the exact number, but she, 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 she sold it for a good amount. It was a very, it was good, like a hundred, I, I think yeah. it was 170, like 180 million. It was like a two, yeah. let's say 200 million. Let's just yeah. round it. It was a wild yeah. deal. Yeah, a good amount. And she of zeros, walked away. She, she walked away. She walked away with forty million personally. This is what I. This Woo! is the, from what I heard. 
from one of from Ooh. one of the reports I, I I read. And and that's the exit every founder at least wants. Like when they think about the work, like you just be like, okay, I just want to walk Bro. away with 40, 50, right? Now, anyway, that's the so ultimate look, so fuck. Look. That's the <laughs> ultimate fuck you money. Fuck you money. Oh, that's yeah, double the fucking that's money right now. <laughs> that's perfect. That's perfect. That's perfect. You don't gotta think about nothing. <laughs> at nah. that point, I'm really I'm 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 spending a month or three months Bro, just trying 40? to figure out what what just to what what should I spend this on? But anyways, look. Real estate and dividends. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> and even and even at like that, and even at like that, I'm not gonna be the one thinking about all that. I still nah. like go hand that on. You have a team. That. You have a team. Yeah, exactly. you have a team for that. So, so so look, so look. So look, she got that off. I don't know how she got it off, but look. Clearly chasing and do the due diligence would end up happening. I guess this is the like uh, allegedly they they uh, under the customer list they they sent a newsletter and about ninety percent of those emails bounced back and that's when they realized like hey these are not real accounts right and and so um, <laughs> like I'm not gonna lie to you everybody's questioning okay the due diligence here due diligence there etc and uh, I don't think we need to, I, there's so much we can say about due diligence but it like it varies for it obviously varies like and the levels of it varies and also the type of deal it is and also the momentum around it you know founders could be stuck in a long due diligence process where like they're going through they're picking up a lot of information some founders are not doing as much maybe because like there's certain deadlines that got to be hit etc there's so many different things but due diligence in general for listeners is just when people are just doing the research, okay. When they, if you're if they're about to give you a few hundred million dollars, they kind of want to know what's going on. Uh, Chase fails to do good due diligence in this case. Um, they didn't realize that a lot of these emails were fake. They bounced back, and now she's arrested and she's looking at some real, some real time. And um, you know that that we wanted to bring this up because uh, so a couple of things. Uh, one that that leads to the conversation that we've been seeing a little bit more online. At least I have is that you know. Um, how do we let these things type of things happen? Especially when you think about like, for example, you know, the SBF stuff and like, you know, a lot, all these like different frauds that are happening, you know, people are kind of looking to the investors like, and you know, how are you guys letting all this fraud happen, for example? And then also like, you guys are backing these companies. And um, what I wanted to say, or what I wanted to pose is this like, you know, in this age now, for example, when we have like ChatGPT, et cetera, in this case, she had our engineer go and do like, you know, a bunch of fake accounts. And that could have been like uh, we all so we all we all hire people. We all have the ability to do that. Obviously, integrity is a big part of our business. Um, but now you add on to the fact that we have these new tools that can do that without you having to tell anybody, right? Like in her case, she had an engineer that you know, and there's a paper trail, et cetera, et cetera. But imagine you know you have as an investor or like somebody's uh, acquiring companies, you know, like. How, like, what do you do now? Because, like, there's AI generated stuff, right? Like, you have people that can just go yeah. and generate, you know, 10,000 accounts like this. And, and, you know, and it's like, are, how are you going to really verify that? Especially, especially if they take it a step further in the fraud, right? In this case, she was fake emails. What if those emails were real? They would have literally, all, like, would they have just not have found out? They would have, they would have maybe not got the engagement. Would that have been fraud? Who knows, right? It's like, and so, like how how do we think about this new era of like you know AI generated content and those conversations around like fraud? So yeah, I'll start with her company and then I'll provide some thinking around like other companies. But her sure, company specifically sure. was a, a a fintech company, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Were they what what were they doing specifically? College. It was something with college applications. It was called Frank. College applications and, and, and scholarships or something around Some, that, right? Something with that, yeah. Yeah. So I think 
I think the reason why emails are like very easy to get away with in terms of fraud is because it's, it's, it's too high level. Like in terms yeah. of like, if we, if we think about a business as a funnel, like that, that doesn't, that doesn't tell me anything versus like, if you keep going down all the way down to like the engagement layer of the funnel, all the way down to like the monetization, you know, part of the funnel, if you're selling for that much, I, I, I suspect you only are able to sell that much because your business is probably doing some serious money. Right. And so I, I, I just feel like there should have been more due diligence going back to what we were just saying about pricing specifically around like her revenue. Yeah. Right. Because I feel right. like, uh, it, like, come on, JP, there's a simple math yeah. equation you probably <laughs> right. could have done to be able to calculate, okay, does this reasonably make sense? Um, and so it's, and, and so that's how I would have approached that. Why, why do you think People they didn't, that. Do, think they didn't do, didn't do quality diligence? Let me show you why people argue against what you're saying. Even though I, I, I kind of stand, I like, I, I would say I stand with you, but I tell you why people might argue against this. A lot of startup valuations, it's not clear what the valuation is based on. You know, it's not entirely clear what it's based on. You know, like, and mm -hmm. a lot of times revenue is not the sole factor of the valuation of the company, especially early stage companies. In this case, this wasn't an early stage company. She's like, it was later stage, but even still, you know, um, uh, the revenue is not the entire valuation as we've seen. And especially mm -hmm. given the time she sold the company, you know, it was almost like one of the best times to sell it if she was going to try to do the fraud thing, right? Because it's like those overinflated valuations, they're not entirely based on objective measures, et cetera. So people would argue, I'm not saying you're wrong, because believe me, I've been in the corporate world. You have, Dre has, look, these guys are not moving they're not as sharp as they need to be. All right, we get that. All right, like, like mm -hmm. we get that. But 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 look, like in this world where startup valuations are not aligned exactly with all objective measures, every other me metric can be faked at this point very, very well, especially when you add on the fact of these new tools that we just got access to in 2023. Like, like you're talking about, like outside of the money aspect, like how, like how, how else can you verify anything else? I can think a whole database and upload it. How can you see that? All the graphs, everything. How could you, how could you prevent that? I'm just posing these questions. So the reason why I still think money is the most important thing and like a lot of that other yeah. stuff doesn't matter, even valuation, is because if, I, if if we're having a serious conversation about potentially buying you for nine figures, open up that bank yeah. account, right? <laughs> you 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 can't you you can't fake you can't fake the income statement, that bank statement, yeah. and what is coming in and what is coming out, right? Yeah. And then like yeah. I I I I I think that's that's what it yeah. is. Like I and and and, and I'm not going to go down that, that rabbit hole. That'll change the whole industry, though. Like we can like change the whole well, industry though. How do we well, how do you know that? F well that, that this is a whole separate conversation. My mic is messing up actually. This is a whole separate conversation because FTX, look, they faked a lot of balance sheets. You know, they got away with a lot of balance right. sheets money. And they were banking with Chase, right? Now now there's a question of the liability that Chase has because they could have checked they could have actually looked at the account. But I do agree with your point, Brian. That is a way to backtrace. However, unless you are the actual custodian of the capital. It is still ways to obfuscate that. Like it's so easy to get bank records now. Like that's 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 the easy problem to solve for. Unless you are the actual yes. custodian of that actual capital. Yes. Yeah, I think it's tough. Mm. Yeah, especially these days. Because look, let, let, let's pull in real quick. I, I talked to you guys about Fire Festival, right? My dad got off early. He had six years, right? He got he got sentenced to six years. Um, got off in four, right? 
Uh, he, you know, he, I was watching uh, the podcast. Let me let me just make sure I get his name right. I have I have it up. Bill, uh, I think Billy it's Billy. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Billy McFarland. He's a, he's uh yeah, I think he's thirty years old right now. Um, and then uh, I was watching a podcast called The Diary of the Serial uh, by uh, uh, Stephen uh, uh, Bartlett, um, a cool guy. I haven't watched much of his podcast, but the one I did watch was with the Fire Festival Raid podcast, from what I can tell. Look, um, you know, they lied so much. They lied so much. And even when you think about revenue, man, look, they were able, like, there were times when they had to get, you know, millions in their account or they would fail by the end of the day. And they were able to pull off some of these things. Sometimes it was $100,000. But the point I'm trying to get is that sometimes, even if, for example, somebody had access to the account or whatever, I don't know, like there could be money in the account and it may not appear a certain way. Things may not always be how they appear. Going back to Dre's point, you got to be the custodian, literally, and be the one who actually was like, to like you would have to, basically there's a level of trust now that's required that everybody has not caught up with. You know, like basically, there's a level of trust that ha- is mandatory now. I mean, it was always mandatory to have integrity and be like a truthful founder. That was always a mandatory thing. Same thing on the other side of investors or whoever you deal with. But now, when things are becoming much, much easier to fake and much harder to differentiate, and you add on top of the fact that how our industry is set up, everything's not based on objective measures. Now you get like, all I can see is. Why would there be less Sam Bank? Like, why would there be less Bankman's or SBS? Why would there be less? Um, why would there be less of uh, of of these uh, JP Morgan fraud? Why would there be less if the tools have made, made it easier? Why would there be less? You know, uh, unless there was some counter tools to it. You know what I'm saying? Because you're not going to get rid of the incentive. That's because that's always how it's always been. If the incentive is big enough, look, people are looking at it like, okay, well, man, I get away with this, man. Look. 30 million though like like that 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 might override your sense of all types of stuff fire festival is a great example look he he got so deep in it he didn't even realize at the point how far he went with his line by the time it was all over but i can under but when you tell hear him tell a story he owns up to all the line he actually has so much of an epiphany obviously because he's locked up i mean he spent like multiple sentences like uh in solitary like i'm not gonna lie so like one of the longest ones he spent like six months in, the, in, in there i was like oh okay that wasn't right you know what i'm saying but but like he had a lot yeah. my, my point is he had a lot of time to reflect and think he's owned up to everything he's trying he's trying to go back then the thing is though there are a lot of people that would still go down the same route he went down regardless of the mistakes he made and regardless of how they might just hear his story but like, okay well that's how he did it i gotta do it like this then you know, but they, like they a lot of those people don't even have to pay back the full amounts. I'm pretty sure he didn't pay back 100 exactly. percent of that. Well, 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 here's how he got messed up. This is where he got messed up. Here's how he got messed up. Actually, it's crazy. The uh, what you trying to say, Brian? Are you trying to say was? It, was I ain't saying <laughs> nothing. Redact that. Redact that. I ain't saying nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, well, I'm, t- I'm not telling founders what to do or what not to do. What I'm telling founders is look and look, look. And also, what I'm also alluding to with founders is, look, maybe that's an opportunity for the founder that cares to go and try to be that person. For example, when, when GPT first came out, what do we see shortly after GPT, GPT zero? Like, there, there's going to be, like, this whole idea around what's real and what's fake is going to be a real big deal. Uh, 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 and adding on to that, I guess if you, if you guys want, and let's guys have some more to say about, like, this fraud and, 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 like, also, like, the future of, like, AI-generated content. 
Um, I think that's interesting. AI generated content. That's something I've been uh, seeing a lot more of, and then also seeing a lot of commentary on recently. I don't know about. I, that. I think we should. I think we should actually write it up soon and uh, punk, punk that because I actually think there's a lot about yeah. the AI gener- the AI generation space. That I think we can we can talk about because oh, I, yeah, I actually sure. think all the, all the stuff we're talking about is super relevant. And and honestly, I think it brings up opportunity. Right? It is opportunity. Yeah. Like, what does diligence yeah. in the future look like? What is yeah. what does trust and verification look like in the future? What does true identity look like in the yeah. future? Obviously, that bleeds yeah. over a lot into what Safe is doing, but I think that's Absolutely. a really big, very important conversation. So I think we should actually punt yeah. it and then um, wrap up this episode because we're a little over at yeah. time right now, anyway. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. One, two, three.